Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. So Imcast 22 it was. It was Imcast 22. No, 2023. No. What oh, didn't happen in December last year? Is twenty twenty three now? Did no. it happen in January? No, yeah, twenty twenty three this year. Close enough. All right, cool. Everyone knows I'm an idiot. That's good. Good enough to edit that out. Fair enough. So, um, <laughs> leave it in. Yeah, leave it in. So, uh, guys who are listening, we're doing a slightly different podcast today, which is fun. We've got three of our IA patrons, and we've also got. A fourth one who we recorded with yesterday. So it's quite complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, many moving parts. Many, many moving parts. And, uh, you know, we talk about these congresses. I've been, you've been uh, years ago. Yes. I've probably been to IMCAS before anyone else here went to IMCAS. What year was that, do you reckon? Oh, maybe 2005, 2006. And what was your experience? It was great. I was, it was great. I got a free trip to Paris, got to hang out with lots of educated people that made me feel stupid. It was great. It was, great. It was really good. But I, but I think that the scale and grandeur of it all has Increased. escalated infinitely since I, like, I feel a bit like I've been, I've got jibbed. I'd, like, I'd prefer a free trip now. Well, we can put it on the IA. Okay. Account. All right. We'll, we'll go next year. Very good. Let's do it. So why don't we introduce our amazing friends? Uh, we're going to start on the top left, just so it's easy for us. So Tanya, all the way from Northern Ireland, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, everybody. So my name is Tanya Khan, and I am a nurse practitioner in Northern Ireland. So I've been practicing aesthetics for about 14 years. I also worked as a theatre nurse for about 11 of those years in the NHS. And then I got the bug. So I went to a Mertz, I think it was a Mertz um, conference in Belfast in the Europa Hotel. And it was Simon Ravichandran All right. who was given the talk my first time ever meeting him. And I'm a bit embarrassed to say, but my training was in 2008 and I had not done very much between then and that point, which would have been about five years ago. It's a long time to not be updating your skills, but there was no emphasis on it. So, um, yeah, I was blown away by how much had changed. And then I thought, I'm leaving the NHS and I'm going to become a really good aesthetic practitioner. And that was that. Fantastic. Thanks, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, we'll, uh, we'll head down to you, Mr. Stephen Land from, well, you're from the same part of the world, but slightly, slightly, slightly different. Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Steve Land. I'm a aesthetic doctor up in the kind of northeast of England. Um, I've been doing it for, just about 10 years now um and i was the similar sort of story i kind of went on the training and, and thinking it would be kind of all right and quite good fun and i might earn some beer tokens 
Um, and then actually just enjoyed it considerably more than I thought I would. Um, and here I am 10 years later with a clinic and staff and doing training and working for companies. And sometimes I kind of think, how the hell did all that happen? This was supposed to just be a little kind of side gig. Um, but here I am enjoying it and kind of getting to do all sorts of fun things and meet all sorts of fun people. Awesome. Very nice. And to Bonnie, to Closer Shores in Australia, where are you, Bonnie? And tell us about your background. Hi. So I'm from the Beta Newcastle, Ooh. Australia. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah, <laughs> to say it. Um, so I, I'm a GP from Newcastle, Australia, and uh, I have my own cosmetic clinic. So I practice cosmetic medicine for the last seven or eight years in beautiful Nelson Bay, which is just up uh, one hour drive from Newcastle, up north. Uh, I have to specify that because usually when I say to people I'm from Newcastle and I practice in Nelson Bay, people from Europe, they usually ask, um, is it one hour flight or one hour drive? Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm, I'm one hour drive up north from Newcastle. Uh, I've been living in Australia for 12 years. Originally, I'm from Macedonia, finished my GP trainings and other trainings in UK. So I have something in common with the other two parties from this podcast uh, and with you, Jake, obviously. Um, and um, yeah, and that's t- what I could say about me. I just realized, Bonnie, did I teach you Profilo? Did you come down? Correct. Right. Hello again. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Now, um, Imcast for the people who are listening, who maybe in other countries never heard of it. Maybe they're just on the start of their journey. So you you were the first there. So yeah. tell us what it is. Well, I think it stands was the acronym for International Masters Course on Anti Aging. There's an A in there somewhere. What's the A? Yeah, the acronym is really. Aesthetic, aesthetic conference, international masters of aesthetic. I actually Google this. I couldn't find it. It's not on their website. So does anyone know? Where is we it? Go. What was Inter- it? Say again. International master course on aging science. There you go. There you go. Is and still- everyone got that. Have to Google it. <laughs> there you go. Well, historically, I, I, I did sort of read up on it. So it started in 1994, I believe, um, by Benjamin Ashley, who's a French um, doctor. And they just had a small, well, I say small, small meeting, about 50 European doctors, because what they wanted to do is blend the, the dermatology sort of knowledge with plastic surgery knowledge. And they had a, you know, a bit of a, mm. a meeting and it kind of grew and grew. And by 1999, they had their first, what they called their World Congress. Yeah. So it grew from there. And they hold a few of them around the world. So Paris is the one we're talking about today, but they hold them, I think, in parts of Asia as well. Mm. Is it Singapore or Bangkok? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of legs all around the world. And the same for AMWC, yeah. which is the kind of rival European one in Monaco that I think we're all going to, or I'm certainly yeah. going. Um, and they also do you know, different legs around the world. But maybe we'll start with Tanya again, because you're easy prey at the top left. Um, how did you get there? And, and and how easy was it from Northern Ireland? Because you got it's easy for you lot, whereas for us it's a major endeavour. It's like you know dipping into our mortgage savings just to sort of learn, whereas you guys just get an easy jet from Northern Ireland. My story is a little bit random. What what do we call it, Stephen? The the biggest case of FOMO you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. So I had my level seven exam the weekend after, and I was categorically not going. I had to study. And then uh, our good friend, Lisa Waring, another amazing nurse practitioner here in Northern Ireland, kept saying, Tanya, you have to go because we went last year and we had the best time. And I was sitting studying like a good girl 
And I kept getting bombarded with lots of texts telling you, please go, please, can you go, please go. So I went. (laughs) I happened to get a free ticket. So that was a big factor in that because the tickets are expensive, but we'll come to that. In terms of traveling, you might think it was as easy for me as it was for those like Stephen in the mainland. But in Northern Ireland, our flights are not great. They're not every day. And I wanted to go on the Wednesday. Again, we'll come to when to go and things like that. But I wanted to go on the Wednesday, fresh as a daisy, right as a button for Thursday morning at the conference. But there wasn't a flight until the Thursday at five o'clock in the evening. Right. I'm going to miss the first day. And of all the three days, the Thursday and Friday were the most important for me. So I flew. I could have traveled to Dublin and got a flight from Dublin, which is like two hours down the road. But I hate traveling from Dublin. So I traveled from Belfast to Heathrow in London and then connecting flight from Heathrow to Paris. But there was big delays and we missed our connecting flight. Oh. With uh, I was traveling with uh, Lisa Waring, nurse from Northern Ireland, and Dr. Julianne Rogers, one of our IA patrons. And we had fun. So the whole delay aspect wasn't that bad because we were having lots of fun and we were excited about going and, and catching up. So that was great. But if, I suppose if you were traveling on your own, it would have been a bit of a, a bugbear. So we our flight didn't take off for several hours. We missed the connecting flight. The queues that he threw to get put on to another, another flight were ridiculous. But, you know, us being us, Northern Irish people, we bunked the queue and said, we've got to get to a really important conference. And they bumped us up the queue. We got the next second flight and finally made our way to Paris. What was the total travel time, do you think? Well, our flight was at nine in the morning. And we didn't arrive until, was it dinner time? That's ridiculous. You got there before, you got there before I did. Yeah, because Stephen has <laughs> another story. I'll let him tell you about his. <laughs> But, you know, it was fun. We were traveling with colleagues. And as you know, when you work in your own clinic, especially as a sole injector, you really look forward to spending time with other people in the same profession as you. Because although I have two staff members at the front, I have a clinic manager and a patient coordinator. Um, I'm the only injector, so I can't really have the conversations with them about injecting or, you know. So although we were delayed, we just had best time traveling together because it's still kind of working because you're bouncing off each other and although we're talking about our personal lives it always comes back to injecting awesome now let's have the man version in two sentences Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> it was a complete catastrophe the direct flight from newcastle to paris is supposed to take about two and a half hours um but when your idiot pilot lands a bit heavy in newcastle and bursts two of the tires it does tend to delay things somewhat so I got to Newcastle Airport at 20 past nine on the Wednesday thinking, I'll get there kind of Wednesday afternoon. That'll give me a couple of hours to mooch about Paris and see what, you know, kind of find the lay of the land. And then I've got the three full days of the conference. So rock up to the airport, plenty of time, flight delayed for an hour while they try and find someone to fix two punctures, flight delayed for another hour while they decide to try and see if they can divert a plane and then flight cancelled um, with the next flight not available until half nine the next morning. So um, a quick shoot across Newcastle to the train station, the train to King's Cross, a hop across London to St Pancras, <laughs> and then the Eurostar. Oh, Gets wow. you into Paris, Gare du Nord, 12 hours after you first kind of got to the airport. That's so it was a bit of a um, 
I think the, the word is omnishambles. Um, oh. But we got there in the end. So, yeah, I think the most important thing to take from all of this is make sure you plan to have plenty of time to get there. So, so. Bonnie probably wasn't far behind. <laughs> Well, I did have plenty of time ahead. (laughs) So um, I, it took me about 26 hours to get to Paris. Uh, I flew from Sydney to Hong Kong and then I had a three hour stopover in Hong Kong. And then I had about 15 hours flight from Hong Kong to Paris and I arrived in Paris, and my luggage was still in Sydney. Oh, <laughs> so because I arrived <laughs> on Saturday um, l- late in the evening, um, I was like, oh, okay, this is a good excuse to do some shopping and whatnot, not even knowing that the shops in Paris are closed on Sunday. So I, I didn't have any clothes to change, and... Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, it was a long, long, long flight. That yeah. fucking ridiculous. Just... Did anyone manage to actually just get on a plane and go to Paris? <laughs> Did anyone manage that, or is it all just like catastrophes all around? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my hot tip because I'm traveling on Sunday. You know, if you've got an Apple phone, they do the Apple tags. Buy four, or they come in a packet of four, and put one in your suitcase. And if it goes missing, you can literally tell tell the airline that's where it is. Go and get it, and oh, get it to wow. me. That's funny. Yeah, so they, that's what, that's they still don't necessarily do anything about that. Well, a friend of mine you know. lost his bike traveling to the he lost his bike traveling to the triathlon World Cup, oh. um, and he got an air tag in. He was literally stood at the desk going, "My bike's over there. Look, I can see the tag." And they were just going, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> Sorry. Oh. That's ridiculous. <laughs> now, Bonnie, presumably you, you probably created a, a longer holiday out of this or not. Like, like how long did you stay in Europe for? Correct. Yeah, I, I created a longer holiday. Otherwise, it was it was not going to be worth it. I mean, with the obviously financial implication for the trip and the stay. And I'm, I'm originally from Europe, uh, from Macedonia. And so I created a small little trip to Macedonia, a little bit to Austria stayed a few days before the conference in Paris, catching up with some friends from the rest of the Europe that we just decided to meet up in Paris. Uh, yes, so I, I, I mean, I otherwise I can't see how else you can just travel to Paris, spend 36 hours, you know, in a transport. Like, I mean, I did mention that the actual flight was about 26 hours, but also take into consideration that I have to drive from Newcastle to Sydney <laughs> to board on a plane. So, I, I mean, the whole trip was like, a, <laughs> yeah, massive. So, yeah, you have to get out something, yeah, from the trip and organize something around it. Yeah, some holiday or, yeah, something else. You need a holiday when you arrive. You do. <laughs> you, you genuinely do. You can't turn up jet lag from Australia. It's just yeah. impossible. So the conference is held at the, is it still held at the Palais, Palais de Congrès. Is that it? Is right. It's old, grey, gloomy-looking building from memory. Doesn't look very inviting, but it's quite interesting. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So Tanya, where where did you stay? Were you, were you sort of close? Would you stay? What sort of precinct did you stay? Like near the Marais, or where, where were you located? What was it all about? I stayed. Mine was last minute. It was not planned. Um, and I'm very lucky. Obviously, I had a lot of friends going. So I was going to be staying with um, Julianne in accommodation that she had booked and um, bunked in with her. Um, my other friend, Lisa, was staying at the Hyatt, which is adjoined to 
Palais de Congrès, which is very handy. Um, but by the time we we just started socialising and we were bumping into everybody, there was, you know, Benji Dillon, Lee Walker, we're all at the bar, we're having drinks. I just couldn't be bothered going back to my hotel, so I ended up just staying in the Hyatt that night. And then I had planned to go back and stay with Julianne, um, which was about, about a 10-minute cab drive away the next night. But I ended up staying with my friend Lisa the next night and then ended up just staying at the Hyatt the rest of the time because it was just handy. Fair enough. And how about you, Stephen? Expensive. Yeah. Expensive, though. And what I would say, just while we're talking on this, is I was I had planned to stay on also like Bonnie just to have a little bit of um, time when in Paris. And I had pre-booked to stay on in the Hyatt after the Congress had finished with the conference. And it cost me 500 euros for one night when the Congress was on. And it cost me 500 for two nights when it was finished. Yeah. So definitely pre-plan and definitely get that booked well in advance if you're thinking about, you know, making this trip because you'd save yourself a lot of money. Such a good point. And even for Monaco, sorry, I was going to say, even for Monaco, I was looking for, for rooms and there's yeah. nothing available. And what is available is insanely expensive. Ridiculous. So I think for Monaco, it's going to be about Airbnbs, not even hotels. Forget the hotels. Yeah. Or, or staying in Nice, which is about half an hour, 40 minute drive away. I can't remember the last time I stayed in a hotel. I'm all about Airbnb. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Now, Stephen, <laughs> where did you stay? How, how close or far were you and how difficult was it to get there every day? Um, well, I was lucky enough that um, one of the companies I worked for kind of paid for my ticket and, and paid for my hotel. Uh, so it meant I didn't really have an awful lot of choice over where I stayed. So we were actually kind of a little bit further out. It was about 15 minutes in a taxi. Um, so we were staying out in La Défense. The, you know, the hotel was quite nice, but it was, I think a lot of the kind of conference days finished about kind of 5, 5.30. And by the time you've kind of had a quick drink, it's six o'clock and it's kind of rush hour. And then getting in a taxi in Paris is an experience in itself. Um, so yeah, I agree. Definitely kind of plan plan where you're staying um, and try and plan your kind of uh, journeys to and from to and from the kind of Congress. Um, if you can stay a bit closer, I think that would be better. But I think as, as Tanya kind of says, the closer you get to the conference center, probably the more ridiculous they bump up their prices. So you either need to stop planning it far in advance or... Um, just suffer the fact that you're going to be spending a little bit of time in a taxi. Mm. I have to say, I stayed in La Defonce when I was at IMCAS just in June gone, and there's a train station right there, and it whizzes you straight to the train station outside the Palais de Congrès. So, you know, if you if you want to avoid the taxis, the, the, the metro is pretty good. Mm. So there you go. Another top tip for you. Bonnie, where did you stay? Well, I looked at the hotels that the conference suggested, but then I looked at the other places on booking.com or Expedia and I found this beautiful boutique Parisian looking life hotel uh, near Louvre um, so it was a small little hotel that was so well run and had this beautiful balconies with a small courtyard so it really looked Parisian so yeah I decided to stay there because I really wanted to experience Paris um, so I actually walked to the conference every day, uh, and walked back. It was taking me about 40 minutes from Louvre to where the conference was, but I, I liked the walk because my walk was up Champs-Élysées and then just turned right and up to the conference. And it was giving you that little bit of, I don't know, wake me up before the whole lectures and kind of after the lectures, like, a you know, um, time to think what, or absorb what you learn. 
So, yeah, it was a hotel not suggested by the conference. It, it was just on my own, yeah, re- research. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was going to yeah. refer this question to our top businessman. Hmm. This is all tax deductible, isn't it? Oh, well, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, it depends. <laughs> you know, the, t- the tax laws, I think, vary from country to country, but obviously you can't claim all of the trip. I think a percentage of it, it depends on hmm. how much you can realistically and legally justify that your trip was for purely business purposes so yeah yeah just uh consult your accountant but yes it, <laughs> it's definitely tax deductible now tanya i mean obviously it, w- it was a social uh peer pressure that uh, i guess eventually forced your hand to go but like why do you go to these conferences and, and how do you select which one you go to i mean incas seems like it's the almost the biggest and baddest of them all really i mean there's some other great ones as well but it seems to be the the biggest so What's what's the motivators and what are you hoping to, to get out of your time when you go to these conferences? Well, I was the, I, this is my second time at MCAS. The first one was the one that you were at where I met Jake for the first time. Um, hey, that was in the Meridian. Um, Jake walked in and again, he just got a big Tanya hug, didn't you? And a high five. Yeah, pretty much jumped me. So I, said, I, love, <laughs> I love your podcast. Um, so I had... Um, I'd been taken with Sinclair Pharma and everything was paid for that. So that was a big, again, factor, especially when you're starting out and going to these things because there are big costs involved. Um, And I loved it. I loved the networking. I loved the lectures. And I did want to go this year. It's just I had a big exam coming up. And so that was just nothing. I can't do anything like this. Um, So, yes, going to spend time with your colleagues, as I say, which is really important. Um, you've got the traveling factor there and then the social side of it. And then obviously you're going to go to these lectures. You've got some of the biggest speakers in aesthetics talking at them. You've got Sebastian Codafana. You know, you've got all the big um, companies. And so you just you go and you hope you're going to learn something that's going to benefit your practice. Is that the, that's the main reason. Um, there's a lot on, though. And it can be a bit overwhelming as to what it is you want to go and see. So you get, um, you can register on the app and it breaks it down quite clearly where the talks are, who you're speaking and what times. And what I would say is it would be really important to register on that app because there's a cutoff point. So I think uh, at a certain time in the afternoon, the day before, you can't register for the app. So that's a good thing to know. And then you can kind of like plan on the app. It makes it easier for you to understand what it, what you would like to go and see in the times, um, things like that. One thing I would say, which you maybe wouldn't think about, is when we they were breaking it for lunches. Um, Stephen, do you remember the first day we were going to try and get something to eat? We queued out every single restaurant. Yeah, I, think, I think we tried about five or six restaurants until we eventually found one where we could get in so yeah make sure you've planned longer for your lunch than you think you're going to need such a good point just super briefly um you mentioned sinclair we don't have sinclair here in australia or at least direct so what what products do they do what are their core products um well i started off using perfecta perfecta range um and i now use well i still use some of the perfecta um but i use their miley products in the lips they're both both, sorry they're both dermal fillers they don't have a toxin yet i know they don't have a toxin yet but i think they they will have soon um 
I absolutely love their products. And I've injected them for 14 years. They also do Silhouette Soft Threads, I believe. They do threads. I've done threads training. I'm not, um, it's not my, not my thing. I'm not into it. But yeah, they do the Silhouette Threads. Okay, cool. Stephen, you're an experienced doctor. You're a KOL for Everless. You're a KOL for Nuceva fillers. So why are you going? What are you going to learn from these boring old Nuvia, Nuvia fillers. Nuvia Sorry, Nuvia. Fillers. Sorry, beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. Everyone, everyone does it. See, this is the problem. I, I kind of uh, do some education and training for two companies, a company called Nuvia who make fillers and a company called Nuceva who make a toxin. Right. And they've picked the same font for their stuff in very similar <laughs> colors and everyone kind of goes i think it's the same company and you're like no they're not they're completely different companies but obviously the marketing departments didn't quite put their heads together and, and kind of choose the the right fonts and colors but there you go um yeah so nuvia paid for me to go this year it's the first time i've been to imcas um and i, I was i kind of wanted to go anyway even if they hadn't kind of um kind of taken me because uh, it's uh, as david was saying it's probably the kind of biggest conference it's on our doorstep from the UK, theoretically, if like people can fly planes properly. So it, it kind of seemed like the logical next step. After going to a few of the UK ones, it seemed like the logical next step to kind of hop over the channel and go to the biggest, potentially the biggest aesthetics conference in the world. And as Tanya was saying, there's some of the kind of biggest names kind of speaking there. So your Arthur Swifts and your Sebastian Cotafanas, who I absolutely love, um, and kind of various people of that ilk were speaking. And you kind of think, you know, it's it's two and a half hours on a plane. And I can get to go and see all these people over three or four days and learn all their tips and tricks and pick up some new knowledge and learn some new stuff. And then do some networking as well and kind of meet up with various people and meet up with your colleagues from Northern Ireland and meet up with your colleagues from down south that you don't see that often. So it's kind of that whole package of, of education and learning and potential networking opportunities and meeting up with you know friends in the industry that you don't necessarily get to see too often. Yeah, fair. Mm. Now, Bonnie, had you ever travelled to one of these world congresses? Um, and if you did or if you didn't, what? why do you go? No, I haven't. So this is my, my first one. Yeah, IMCAS was my first one, first time to attend some world conference. So um, obviously, I, I've been attending conferences in Australia, same as Stephen said. Like I, I've been to so many conferences here, not only cosmetic conferences, GP conferences, et cetera, et cetera. And after COVID, I just <laughs> thought like it will be really nice to go somewhere outside Australia and see what the rest of the world is doing. Uh, and a couple of people, a couple of friends who've been to IMCAS, he recommended IMCAS to me. Um, so, yeah, I just decided to go and see what's happening in IMCAS. So I wanted to ask, because, you know, you've, you've seen the Australian ones like Non-Surgical Symposium. and. Yeah aesthetics with Stephen Liu, but the, the scale of this compared to what you've seen in Australia is quite different. So was it a bit like, whoa, overwhelming? You didn't know where to go and what to do? Yeah, it was very overwhelming. It was the first day when I arrived there, even though I thought I will be really organized. I went the day before I registered uh, and the registration the day before ran smoothly. I went there, I registered. So I was like, oh, great. I'm so organized. I was so proud of myself. And then the next day, I just have to turn up and show at lectures. But when I arrived the next day for the first lecture, um, even though I read somewhere there were 14 or 15,000 participants, there were still more people that I visually could have imagined. And there was one escalator. There was only one escalator going up what I think was the first floor. And all these people had to fit on the first escalator. So even though I arrived at on time, 
it took me about half an hour to get to the first floor. And then once I arrived to the floor and found the map, it took me another half an hour to figure out where the lecture was, which room. So I was already an hour late for my first lecture that I wanted to attend. And that pattern then followed the rest of the day. I I I I, I was so overwhelmed. Like I, I just couldn't find my way around. And I was I ended up standing most of the time in the middle of some corridors and asking people where to go. And <laughs> I was late everywhere, everywhere. That was my first day. And on top of that, like I I mean what Tanya said also, and maybe you know what Steven said, like it was so difficult to also find, uh, I don't know, where to have water, where to have food. I paid for some on, on the registration. I paid for some personal lounge, which was advertised on Imka's website as a place that you can go and have your hot drinks, juice, what you want throughout the day. But then that ended up like at this small little kitchen area where there was it was always congested with people. That you, There was no way you can get even a coffee. I couldn't even find the water the first day till 2 p.m. But anyway, that, that were my struggles on the first day. I eventually, the second and third day, got I, I got better. I got, like, <laughs> I was finding my way around. But yeah, back to your question. It was very overwhelming, like, uh, comparing to non-surgical symposiums, Stephen Lou conference here, and just going somewhere where they're like, uh, I don't know whether because here in Australia, we're not used to so many crowds, mm-hmm. or because uh, after COVID, we kind of, felt like we need a personal space so when I arrived there it was it was just people everywhere yeah it was like a football crowd so it was 15,000 yeah. people yeah that's nuts yeah. Yeah, yeah that would bring me back that would bring me back to a really important point about the whole yes we're there for learning but the social aspect and the networking Bonnie if I had known that you were there I'd have took you by the arm and would have got it sorted out and it would yes it still would have been overwhelming but it wouldn't you wouldn't have felt like you were trying to do it on your own so it's really important that you kind of, if you're going on your own, that you try and link up with someone else who you know through the IA patron or, you know, just from Instagram or whatever, because it's it just makes it easier and a bit more enjoyable. Maybe we should do like a IA sticky tour to Imcas. Hundred percent. Yeah. make some really important points though. Um, Sorry, about kind of finding your way around and, and getting organized. Um, I think picking up your name badge the day before is, is a kind of definite top tip. Yeah. Uh, l- again, luckily, I had like someone fetch my name badge for me and just met me because I just kind of lead a blessed life, clearly. Um, but I think going and fetching your name badge the day before because the queues to pick up name badges on the first morning are absolutely insane. So definitely go the day yeah. before if you can. Um, and I just kind of timetabled in. I kind of thought the first couple of hours of the first day there's no way I'm going to be able to find anything. There's no way I'm going to know where the hell anything is. So I just thought there's no point looking too much at kind of what lectures I want to go to. So for the first hour, I just kind of explored and had to wander around the kind of exhibition floors just to try and get a little bit of the lay of the land and work out, okay, the rooms where it begins with a one are on the first floor. The rooms where it begins with a two are on the second floor. So then I know if I want to go to a lecture in room 254, I need to be on the second floor. So I just spent an hour kind of sauntering and seeing who was there and what was there and, and working out and trying not to get lost so you got your steps in Stephen. that's good but the other <laughs> yeah. thing i'll say just about being in the the line picking up your badge so the first thing we did was check into the hotel and we we're going to get our badge so that is definitely the first thing that you should do if you're arriving the day before but there were queues by the time we got there because obviously of our, because of our delays um it wasn't 
it wasn't as mad. It wasn't as crazy, but it was still pretty long. But then there are these dedicated aisles for the likes of um, Tioxin or, you know, a bigger company who's decided to like splash out and just have a, a fast track queue. But there was nobody in them. Mm. So <laughs> we went up and just, is there any chance? Yeah, you can just kind of go and join one of those queues. And then when you get to the front, yeah, just go, oh, sorry, I thought I was here. <laughs> and they did. And they're very, I guess what they didn't want to do was to start you know, kind of like enticing people to join that queue in case some people from Tioxian or wherever the queue is being kept going forward, fast track them. But if it's empty, don't be afraid to kind of go up and ask because, you know, the chances they'll let you bump the queue. <laughs> you know, everyone's going to be turning up now the day before for their name badge. And yeah, yeah, right. You've just given away all your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> and as you get to the desk, say, IA told me to yeah. do this. Jake said I yeah. can do it. We've got a code going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Tell us about, or Tanya, tell us about the, the vendor section, or as I like to call it, Harassment Alley, where you've got people just trying to flog everything to you. So was there anything that was out of the ordinary, any new products, devices, technology? I remember when I went there for the first time, I saw Xeomin, and it only just arrived in Australia, and that was back in 2006. So it took a while to get here. Mm. I'm the wrong person to ask because I have a face of I'm not interested, and so don't bother. So no, I didn't get harassed at all. <laughs> It's fair enough. No, you know, because some people. Yeah. I, I'm a woman on a mission. I just I've been before, and just you know, you just used to these things. So if you're not interested, just don't give eye contact and just kind of like get to your destination. Another thing, so just to bounce back in case I forget about Bonnie being overwhelmed, or if anyone's going and they're arriving late for their first lecture, um, and they're worried, they're obviously back to the app. Um, you can get them on replay. So, you know, and they're live and they're on replay. So, you know, don't be worrying if you're missing something, you will be able to watch it again on the app. On that matter of confusion, how many rooms are there going parallel? There's at least 10 to 15, correct? Yeah, about a dozen, I think. Right, yeah. So you... Of varying sizes. There's kind of like massive lecture theatres with a couple of thousand people in, down to rooms with like 50, 60 people in, um, yeah. and anywhere in between. Um, so... There's lots going on. There were lots of kind of times when I'd looked at the schedule. I'm, I I downloaded the app and I'd kind of put a few things in it. You can also kind of do it on the website and it kind of synchronizes them up, which is quite nice. But I'm still kind of quite a visual person. So I'd kind of printed off the 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 timetable and kind of circled all the things that I wanted to go to. And there were loads of times when I was looking at it and there's like, there's three things I want to go to at the same time. And that's really annoying. But and you just had to kind of pick the one that you thought sounded most interesting. And, you know, you can always duck out if you were wrong and can't join another one. Um, but as Tanya says, if you've downloaded the app and you've told it what you want to go and see, it, they were recording all the lectures. So you can then kind of go back and, and look at them now. Um, and there's a couple, certainly a couple I've kind of caught up on since I got home that I didn't manage to kind of get to um, on the day. So it, it, go on the website or the app and kind of just literally circle all the things you want to go to and it will create you an itinerary that you can actually print off if you're a, a really geeky or it will kind of do it all on the app for you. Um, so if you do miss stuff, don't worry too much. Cool. Now, Bonnie, I'm curious to get your opinion of the, you know, the, the exhibition booths because the amount of stuff that's available in Europe compared to here in Australia is ridiculous. So did you have a browse and did you think, Holy shit, like what is all this stuff? And there's there's so many fillers and and things that you've just never seen before. So what what sort of caught your eye and did you chat to anyone interesting? I wish I can be more uh, like a cheerful to your Christian and say, Oh yeah, I saw this, I saw that, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have, as I said, uh, my own cosmetic clinic. And before I went to IMCAS, I was planning to uh, like a chat to exhibitors, go there, see what I can bring to the clinic, or what's new, what's interesting. Yeah. But once I re- arrived there, as I said, the first day, I, I was just so overwhelmed. I, I actually got like a kind of paralyzed. Like I, 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 I just couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't do anything. I was just concentrating on the map all the time and trying to find the lectures that I wanted to attend. And I knew, like Stephen said, I had the app and I know I can watch the lectures afterwards, but kind of, I didn't want to just come back home to Australia and watch the lectures on video. I, I wanted to attend the lectures that I wanted to attend while I'm there. Anyway, so the first day was just a blur for me. And then the second day I started like a, <laughs> to relax a little bit <laughs> but uh, it still it was not enough for me to start approaching the exhibitors who were there were so many there were yeah. so many and on the third day I approached a couple of I don't know couple of exhibitors but yeah no please yeah yeah I'm I, I I'm sorry <laughs> I oh, can't okay. give much insight to the exhibitor side of the things because uh of my paralyzation of paralysis while I was there yes yeah. Thomas Stephen, you must have found something interesting. You're you're a curious man. <laughs> in in several in several ways. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. <laughs> I had to get one in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit like Tanya in that you know, unless there's something specific or someone specific I want to go and speak to, I will have a kind of little lap and try and see everything. And like there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on out there, but a lot of it I'm not interested in. There's all sorts of weird and wonderful kind of um thread brands but i don't do threads so i'm not interested in those and there's a million and one different kind of filler brands there's all sorts of kind of south korean stuff that's you know a varying kind of yeah a lot yeah yeah um but yeah i i am like the worst person to sell to uh because you know i I have to have already decided that uh, you know I'm, i'm that kind of typical man where if i want something i've already done like you know three weeks worth of research and read every kind of review of, of everything about it so i would then just go and find that manufacturer and go i've read about your product which it sounds quite interesting tell me a bit more uh, but i'm you know there's no point leaping on me from a stand and starting to try and tell me about your product because if i'm not interested i'm not interested yeah because it's just all sales and in in aesthetics that's the op and yes we're business but we're not sales people we don't sell to our patients from a place of just purely making profit off them. It has to be, like Stephen said, you have to heard it from another colleague that you respect, do your research. So like this is just literally like going to a market. They're going to tell you what you want to, what you want to hear, all the good parts anyway. And it might be true and it might be backed up by research, but they're not going to tell you the things that we don't want to know about or that they want to hide from us. So it just feels very salesy. I think for me, MCAS, I've never really seen MCAS from a point of view of wanting to go and find out about new products. Yeah. It's always been about the the lectures and the speakers and to see if we can find out anything more about techniques and oh. and not and increase your knowledge yeah. that way. Well, speaking of lectures and techniques, was there any any standouts that were absolutely amazing? Any takeaways? Any interesting learnings? Were there, and were there any that you thought were bollocks you just disagreed with? Because those are the ones to talk about as well. <laughs> There are a couple of interesting ones that I kind of went to that kind of stood out. There was one on the the future of or the kind of next generation of toxins, which was quite interesting. They had someone there from all the kind of major toxin manufacturers and all the kind of new ones that are due to come out over the next couple of years. So it's quite interesting to see what's coming in the in the kind of world of toxins that they've got. 
Um, New Siva, which I think has obviously just got its license in in Australia. They've got a guy from Latibo, and I think they've just got a license in Australia. They've got someone from Galderma who was talking about their new liquid toxin that's due to come out in the next kind of two years um, and presenting some of the research on that. No, it's another one. It's codenamed EM114. No, this is their own one, which I think is kind of quite interesting, which they collect, you know, and they all claim it lasts slightly longer and it kicks in slightly quicker and it works slightly better and it gives you a shoulder massage while it's doing its work and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it was quite interesting just to see what's coming. Um, there was a guy from an American company who were working on a topical toxin, which is kind of applied with like a little microneedling patch. You just slap it on your crow's feet and leave it on for half an hour and it works its magic. Um, and then there was a guy from a German company and they've come up with some weird kind of amino acid protein thing that you basically mix in with any toxin you care to mention. And it makes it kick in within an hour or two and last 60% longer. And it was like, but that sounds really interesting. That is interesting. Um, but that's not due to hit the market until about 2027 or something bonkers. But it was just really interesting to, to see what's going on in the toxin space, which has been so boring for the last kind of 10 years. I wonder what that does. I'm just thinking, I haven't thought about this, but what would that do to your insurance, the company, like say Allegan, for example, you went and did it to a vial of Botox and it changes arguably the way the product interacts with the body. So what does that do from an insurance, from support, something goes wrong? Whose fault is it? Is it the company that... Massively off-label and they'll say no. Interesting though, huh? It's just... Yeah. Interesting... <laughs> Just in case it wasn't complicated enough. Well, you know, the, the new toxin <laughs> that will eventually do a podcast on that, that, that is using a peptide protein to effectively do that. So they're, they're similar technology is what it sounds like anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, um, sorry to cut you off, Stephen. What was your favorite um, lecture, Tanya? Um, well, I'm a big lip fan. I'm, I'm, I'm really, 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 really trying to be the best at lips in Northern Ireland. And um, especially after, oh gosh, after looking at, you know, the on Facebook, you get um, a picture that popped up 10 years ago and I thought I looked great. I would have been lovely in my late 20s. And I was like, oh my God, my lips were awful. Like they were awful. They were like so big and protruded. So like if I couldn't see it, it's something that I really want to always try and learn more about, more about lips. So um, Raul Chetto. He did a great um, lecture on lips. And what I really liked about that was um, at the end of it, the audience were allowed to ask questions. Yep. So I, I, I feel like that's really important that, that the, the audience are able to ask questions, not just listen to a lot of information of one person and their experience. I think it's really important, especially on such a grand scale, that we're not just taking all this information on board they were able then to kind of ask questions. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And Bonnie, if, if you managed to find the lecture hall, which, which was your favourite lecture? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I was thinking about this, which lecture was my favourite. And I um, I can't really say that one particular lecture was better than the other because I, I really, if I really like something about Imkas, uh, it was the scientific content and uh, how the lectures are presented and they were really high standards and all the speakers were so good, the facilitators were good, like everything was put so well together. So every lecture that I attended, like it was it was really good. If I really, really, really have to 
pick something. You know, it's like Stephen said, like there was a couple of lectures about these nanoparticles and toxins and topical penetrations and, you know, what's future in the in the aesthetic medicine, in the anti-aging medicine. If I really have to name some, you know, presenters that is Frank Rosenhaus about his nose, you know, filler technique and yeah, he just presented it really well. But I really, I mean, overall, it was it was really well everything was very well put together and mm. well presented. So what was the name of the nose filler person? I didn't hear that. Frank Rosenhaus. So- oh yeah, Frank Rosenhaus, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So whenever I've been to these big congresses, it, it's a similar experience. It's confusing, it's a blur, mainly about the social. Um, but you often like pick up some like tiny little pearls. It's not something that's, you know, you're going to go and maybe put on Instagram, but it's just something that's going to tweak your technique. Did did either of you sort of come away and think, oh, didn't know that. I'm going to go and going to try that tomorrow. So anyone want to volunteer a little sort of golden nugget that they came away with that, that they've already started? Yeah. Don't, don't go out drinking with the crew from Northern <laughs> Ireland. That is my little golden nugget that I learned to him. You didn't know that Irish people like drinking. Because it will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I knew they liked drinking. But I'm from Northern England, so I kind of thought this is going to be oh, this is going to be on a level. This will be all right. He's, yeah. a, he's no. a big Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> so who was it that sponsored you to come over? Was it Jameson again, Tanya? Was that who sponsored your flight? <laughs> fast. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> um, nuggets. Like, like, come on, I'm, let's keep this professional, guys. I don't want you trying to make out, Stephen. Nuggets wise, is it arrogant to say no? No, it's not. I mean, that's the point of the podcast. We will learn more about anatomy. Anatomy. Obviously, there's always the anatomy side of things. So you're going, that's amazing. Oh, I didn't know that. And you're brushing up because I don't, like you do, I've done my level seven there recently, but I also done a post-grad search about two years beforehand. And you do forget, you know, because I was studying again and I wanted to go back and learn. So anything to do with anatomy, I just love. It's fascinating. And the way they teach it at these lectures is very it's enthralling you know you're 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 eager and you're wanting to learn more so I like that I was gonna say everything was brilliant I'm okay. not um there was one particular um what very well-known aesthetic practitioner my background is in eye theater nursing so I know a little bit about eyes okay scrubbed for surgery for 11 years from neonates um uh right through to obviously the elderly having basic cataract surgery and I felt like it would. They did not cover enough when you were trying to talk about treatments with um, skin boosters or under eye filler. They didn't talk enough about anatomy and, and what can go wrong, and and then obviously when to refer for surgery and things like that. And I felt really kind of. Oh, I knew that because of my background and experience with ophthalmology, yeah. but if you do have no clue, I felt. It was a bit disappointing. So there was a couple of things. And also there was um, a couple of the patients on live demos, Stephen, they looked terrified and they looked uncomfortable and it made me uncomfortable. Kind of, I can only imagine it made a lot of other people feel uncomfortable. And so I think these are things that I felt like let, let it down a little bit um tioxin were great because tioxin asked the patients about their motivations you know like 
um, how they feel about themselves, what they see, how that affects their emotions. It brings me back to Maurizio Di Maio because that's a huge factor on um, the aging process. It's not just what we're seeing. It's about how that makes them feel. You look tired, you feel tired. You know, you look sad, you, you feel sad. So the motivation behind the treatment. So I like the interaction with the patients and getting a lot of that because I think that brings us back to why we're doing this. Let's talk socials. Well, yeah, that, that's a good point to talk about. What all the dirt? Anyone, you know, do anything embarrassing? Any tabletop dancing? Any well, well hold on, hold on. There, there, there is a formal part of the MCAS, which is the gala. Did anyone go to the gala, first of all? No, couldn't get tickets. It looked really good. And a lot of the people that went had some very glamorous photos and it looked very nice, but it was a ridiculous amount per ticket. Um, and I didn't get my actual ticket to MCAS itself until quite late. So all the gala tickets had well gone before i uh got involved yeah i did go to the uh, the the company that sponsored me to go nuvia did put on their own gala dinner on the friday which was very snazzy and they hired a ginormous art gallery and had it all done out in red lights and it looked like a giant brothel uh no it didn't really it looked absolutely (laughs) lovely but very very red light district um but you know there were some fantastic events put on various kind of companies were having you know evening dues here there and everywhere so um, there were some good networking events. And then you could obviously just kind of meet up with people that you knew and go out for dinner as well. So we did a little bit of both. Yeah, I, th- I think good advice. I mean, I haven't been to a gala, but my impression is, you know, many people off branch and go to their own farmer or sort of self-organized things where you're much more likely to connect and, you know, sort of have a better night. And um, it's expensive. Yeah, it is expensive. Sometimes too many people makes it less social. In some ways, oh, correct because yeah. you know you sort of lost, but you know a bit like what Bonnie was saying, and um, it keeps it a bit formal. Yeah, exactly, and you know, and if your bag's lost, then your gala dress is back in Sydney. So <laughs> it, was, it, it was back on time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the the, the gala was yeah. actually well, very well put. They, they said it was the first time ever in Imcas that they've organised it in Vienna. Uh, sorry, in Paris Opera House. And um, it it just looks spectacular. So all those complaints that I had about lack of uh, food or water throughout the IMCAS conference, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I kind of saw where they put the money in. I contemplated not to go to the gala dinner because I I was by myself and I didn't have anyone to go with. Uh, but then I checked my ticket and I saw how much money I paid for the gala dinner, which was, if anyone is interested, it was 330 euros, which is $660 Australian money. So I said, well, I cannot go. <laughs> I have to go. Um, anyway, I went there, but I, I loved every moment of it because the way they put the gala dinner was just absolutely beautiful. It was amazing. So, yeah. Fair. I guess I'm just not into that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm just boring. I don't know. A little tip is um, apparently after the the meal and it becomes a bit more relaxed, you yeah. don't really need a ticket. You can just kind of turn up and mingle and have some drinks. Yeah. So, As Tanya says, it was nice just kind of catch up with friends as well and kind of catch up with people you've not seen for ages. And um, we had got kind of theoretically things planned kind of most evenings, but the, the plans were flexible, shall we say? Yeah, go with the flow, go with the flow. So, um, yeah, it's, journals, it's, um, sorry, Stephen, I was going to say about aesthetics journal putting on drinks over in the Meridian. Yeah. Um, which was nice. And we've seen Stella um, 
can't pronounce her surname. Begin ultrasound. You know who I'm talking. Yeah. So that was great. And uh, she taught me how to be sexy with rolling up my shirt sleeves. She's awesome. And we seen Gillian Murray. Um, we all know who the Gillian is. And then we bumped into Dr. Steve Harris. And um, yeah, it was just nice because it was nice and relaxed. Randomly ended up going for dinner with Steve and Gillian. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but it's just one of those kind of things you meet up with people, you get chatting, and it's like, we're going for dinner. Do you want to come? Yeah. It's like, yeah, all right, let's go. That was kind of one of my big points about the kind of networking side of things is don't actually just be afraid to go and speak to people. You know, you, you kind of hear of these big names in aesthetics and you kind of think, oh my God, it's like so-and-so and I've heard of them and I've seen them on telly and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, they're all human beings and they're all perfectly pleasant. Well, most of them are perfectly pleasant. Um, and so the best way to kind of get to know these people and get to kind of, you know, and get yourself some opportunities and get to be kind of friendly with them is just go and say hello. It sounds really obvious, but people get a bit kind of scared of doing it. Like people kind of, I, I'm kind of reason, now reasonably pally with Tapan Patel and people are like, oh my God, how did you get to know Tapan? It's like, well, I saw him at Ace one year and I went and said hello. Yeah. And it was kind of that. And, and that's it. So like, we ended up going for dinner with Gillian and Steve because we kind of bumped into them and went, oh, hi, what are you doing? And you just and we ended up sitting drinking with Lee Walker and Ralph Chetto on the first night because they were at the next table and we just dragged them over. So don't be afraid just to go and say hello to people and introduce yourself. We did not drag them over. They begged to sit beside us, Stephen, and you know what? <laughs> but, you know, and Our for the party was too much fun. For the listeners who may be a bit more junior and think, oh my God, that's too scary. You know, it's, when we go to conferences, it's nice when people come up and introduce themselves. You, you want to connect with people who you've maybe spoken to on Instagram, but maybe you don't know by face. So, you know, yeah. put yourself out there, network. It's the only way you're going to sort of grow your, your your little network. It always is a bit weird though. When people know all about your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <all right. laughs> um, I wanted to ask about some of the bigger, what they call the symposiums. So the, the main pharma companies will hire a bigger hall of a couple of thousand. They tend to put on, sort of a bigger event or a launch or, you know, a method that they're doing. Did, did any of you guys go to any of those ones? And what were the key takeaways, if anything? I mean, when I was in Paris, uh, June, Allegan, obviously I went to that one. It was sort of the formal launch of their new hybrid filler harmonica. So that was really interesting. It was also amazing because Jean Carruthers was there and she sort of did this big speech and it was the 20th anniversary of Botox Cosmetic and it was almost like this seminal moment where we like the woman who started it all was there and she got this massive standing ovation it was kind of like whoa what just happened but it was amazing so anything like that happened or was it a bit more boring there were a couple of the symposiums I went to I did go to the Allegan one which was kind of quite interesting for a couple of reasons they were talking about um transgender patients and masculinizing treatment yeah masculine treatments and feminizing treatments um which was kind of quite interesting um and coming back to the kind of live injecting thing that tanya spoke about they did do some live injecting there well it was kind of filmed in um turkey but kind of broadcast live um and i think i think there's an industry i think we probably need to move away from kind of live injecting a little bit because the poor guy that they were doing the kind of masculinizing treatments on fainted kind of halfway through his treatments, oh, um, which was a bit awkward. Um, and because the injector doing it was kind of doing that thing when you're injecting and you're standing on camera and you're doing it slightly from the side. And we'd got the head-on view of the poor guy who's been injected. We could see his eyes start to spin and roll back in his head way before the injector did. So like literally everyone in the audience was going, oh, he's going to go, he's going to go. And then he fainted. Oh, um, so it's a very interesting lecture. 
um, and lots of very useful kind of top tips. But it was a bit kind of like, mm, maybe this live injecting on stage isn't such a brilliant idea. So that was uh, interesting. And then the other one I went to that was kind of quite interesting was the the Nuvius Symposium. And obviously, conflict of interest, I am a key opinion leader for them. So I have to sit here and say it was quite interesting, but it genuinely was. They've been testing their fillers, which they... There are claims that they kind of dampen down the kind of immune response when you inject them into the skin. So they thought it'd be quite interesting to to test their fillers on patients with autoimmune disease, um, and have been doing some work on with patients with Hashimoto's disease, and have managed to show through skin biopsies that when you inject Nuvia fillers, it actually dampens down the immune response within the skin. So yeah. all this stuff about not being able to use fillers with autoimmune disease might all be about to be thrown on its head, which was quite interesting. Mm. There's also another mm-hmm. thing where you guys didn't go to the uh, exhibition hall, but there's a new test called the Be Sure test. Have you heard of that? Yeah, is that Tom DeCat's test? Yeah, where they're looking well, at HLA. We'll do a podcast on that, but yeah, 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 there may be another test. So you can, if you've got queries of your patient, and you think, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's safe. You can do this test now. So that's another thing. Yeah, well, that's testing their HLA kind of uh, serotypes, isn't it? Um, and looking at whether they're going to be one of the ones that are more likely to have a reaction which is kind of quite interesting as well yeah how about you bonnie did you manage to get to any of these larger um lectures yes i think but uh, all i wanted to say is what just steven said like about the guy fainting uh and i share the same thoughts as steven i don't want to repeat the same thing again obviously that we probably should start thinking about moving away from life injecting to me really reminds me like about this old I don't know, British style, English style theatres, operating theatres when they, you know, in 18th or 19th century, people were just watching what the guys operating and that's how they were learning. But it's very, I think it's very, I don't know, it's it's not nice someone's just sitting there and no. the person is sitting in front of all these people. <clears throat> so I, I, I agree with Stephen, I'm really uh, for moving away from this life injecting sessions and Maybe just something pre-filmed uh, and yeah, broadcast. With technology, it'd be so easy to pre-film it and and play it. You, you know, we we've advanced with technology to the extent that you wouldn't have the camera angles where the injectors getting in the way. If you've pre-recorded it, you can make sure you get everything absolutely spot on. So you're probably going to get a better video yeah. to watch than you know the injector accidentally standing in front of the camera at the vital moment when he does the injection. So uh, I don't quite get why we still do it. Yeah, you guys are yeah. totally right. I mean, you know, Stephen, you, you do live injecting when you're training. I'm sure Tanya, you've done it as well. It's it's the spectacle and people want to see you deliver a result rather than fake it and find the best patient. And yeah, that's another mm. criticism. If you just find an easy model and it's all sort of staged behind the scenes, you're never quite convinced that it's real. Whoops. So I don't know. It, it's horses for courses. Um, you know, one thing that Maurizio started, he he moved the patient off the stage took them behind the stage, blacked it all out. So I guess he feels more comfortable. So the patient feels more comfortable. They haven't got a whole crowd looking at, you know. Uh, so that was kind of like a nice hybrid way of sort of making it better. But at the end of the day, you've got a live model. They can faint, they can bleed. You can have VOs on stage. I've seen that once. Yeah, so it's supposed to be. Could you, could you perhaps do the injection process pre-recorded, make your patient the most important factor? and how they're feeling and all of that. Do your injecting as you would, but still making your patient the priority and how they're feeling. And then kind of do talkovers. Here I am. That's what I'm doing here. So what you can do is you can focus on your patient and your injection injection process 
without trying to make it without it being a show in the background, but then still teach by doing talkovers yeah. or giving pearls at the end or talking about something like that. I don't know. Just yeah, but you know, and you're going to be a much better presenter if you're just talking about your work that you've already pre-filmed. But fair enough, yeah. it's, it's a good criticism, I guess. Um, no, none of you have kind of said anything that you strongly disagreed from a from a technical perspective, like an injecting perspective. Did you see anything that you thought, "Oh my goodness, I don't like that," or "I'm not going to do that"? Uh, maybe go back to Stephen. Yeah, there were a, a couple of kind of um, inject live injection kind of bits and bobs in the anatomy lectures where you just thought, "I'm not entirely convinced that's the way I would do that," and it was kind of particularly around cheeks and and kind of various kind of entry points and doing things with needle that I would prefer to do with a cannula and things like that. So I didn't think there was anything that was kind of, you know, there, there was no one up on the stage where you kind of wanted to run up and take the needle out of the hand because you thought they were about to do something absolutely horrendous. Um, but there were certainly a few things where you were like, mm, I'm not sure that's the technique for me, maybe. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Tanya? No. I'm, I only felt uncomfortable watching the patients be uncomfortable, but I felt like it was really good, really good listening to people being passionate about it. I love the way they deliver their teaching style, how they talk. Um, because you can go to these things and the rooms are dark and you know, if you're tired or hungry because honey, you haven't been able to get food or water, it, you can lose concentration quite easily. So, no, I felt like the, the venues were good. The lectures were good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Perfect. Good. Well, <laughs> would you go again? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like these things happen every year and especially for Bonnie, they're crazy expensive. So, would you, for example, stagger this and, and go to AMWC next time or, or even come to Australia? I would love to say I will go back again and I would love to because from scientific point of view, from the way I see the, the high level of standards and how the lectures are organized, I would like to go back again. But yeah, it is a massive cost, especially if you're not like a sponsored by a company or something. And uh, you always have to plan a trip. It's not just a one week round trip you probably have to combine with something else because, uh, you know, paying like a seven to $10,000 just for a flight, mm. it will be not well worth for just going for three or four days and coming back. Um, so, yes, if I have the opportunity, if someone else is paying for me, I'm happy to go because, yeah, I know I will gain something from IMCAS, lots of things actually, not something. Uh, so... The answer for me is yes, I would love to go again, but from financial point of view, I don't think I will be able to afford it maybe in the next two or three years. And yeah. Tanya, how does how does it rate to the UK conferences? Because I've got to be honest, I don't think I've been to one in decade in the UK. So what's the difference and, and which one is better? Well, because of COVID, I think that's been a big reason why there's not been as many conferences. Um, the last big one I was at was at Maurizio de Mayo's, and I just thought that was amazing. But apart from that, it's it's ACE, and it's just your smaller type conferences. MCAS doesn't compare. It is art superior. Um, but as I say, it's a lot of traveling, time away from work, um, costs and um, I mean I you asked the question would you switch it up and go to a different one I think uh, I'll give them cast maybe a miss next year unless it's funded 
by a company and I think I definitely would like to try something new if I was going to commit time and money. You have to come to Australia, Tanya. Yes, we've got one you ready. You come to Australia. Oh, I'm on it. <laughs> book him a flight as soon as we come off the podcast. <laughs> sure. Who, who's who's going to be my Airbnb? Yeah. Well, Dave, you can sleep in this room next to us. You can sleep in the studio room. No yeah. problems. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Stephen? I was going to say, I, well, I, I think we're slightly spoiled in the UK and that we do have kind of two or three conferences that are pretty good um, and attract some good kind of speakers and some good educational content. Uh, but obviously conferences like MCAS and AMWC are on the kind of next level in that they're attracting in uh, a kind of huge amount of, of big international speakers. So, but again, we're kind of quite spoiled in that, you know, AMWC is a couple of hours flight away. MCAS is a couple of hours flight away. And there's a couple of the really good European ones in kind of Croatia and a couple of other places. So we have quite a few good and great conferences all within kind of two or three hours on a plane. So we are slightly spoiled. Um, and what I've kind of tended to do over the last couple of years is kind of sit down in September, October and go, right, what conferences are on next year? What have I not done before? What looks like it might be quite interesting? What do I know all the people are interested in going to? And I'll kind of create a little timetable of like four or five that I think I can justify going to because it is kind of four or five long weekends out of clinic. Um, so you do have to kind of factor that into to where you're going and what you're doing. But yeah, we are slightly spoiled in the UK and Europe with the sheer number of, uh, of conferences that we have that are pretty good. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. So that concludes part A of our chat. Part B kicks off in just a moment. Uh, we did split this discussion into two parts because time zone challenges, people in different parts of the world, different availability, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, part B kicks off just in a sec. It's with Dan Julian from Dan Aesthetic Medical over in Canada, and he's going to share with us his thoughts and feelings on MCAS from the Canadian perspective. So uh, enjoy the discussion, guys. Dan, buddy, thanks for joining us all the way from Ottawa. What we didn't want to do is drag you out of bed at four in the morning. So I think, yeah, I think this is the first time we've sort of spliced someone into the podcast, but thanks, buddy. And you just did a, an Instagram live with David this morning. How was he? Did he perform to standards? Yeah, yeah, it was terrific. The, there was a lot of great questions, uh, a lot of great engagement with uh, viewers. And at the same time, um, you know, I thought it was terrific. There was a lot of questions that peers want to know uh, who are just starting out with business-related topics, and, and we answered all of them in like 45 minutes. It was beauty. Yeah, and I met some of my own questions too. I sort of railroaded you a little bit. So <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, we are here as part of a talk about IMCAS, the Congress that yeah. was recently held in Paris. Now, Dan, you have been, I know you've been at least once before, and this is so uh, maybe your second time. So firstly, why even go? I mean, you know, you're someone at the top of your game or, or close to it. So what, what, what value do you get from it, I guess, is my first question. That's a good question. You know, a couple of people asked me that too. Like, what do you think? You're, do you, are you expecting to kind of learn a lot more from injections or whatever you're doing right now? I think that going for me... Yes, I'm hoping to take something away from, you know, injection aspect, but it's that's not at my priority list right now. Right now it's more or less connecting and this is a big it's a big part of the business, right? Where where you have to constantly make sure that you're advertising yourself and selling yourself and at the same time it's great for me because when I'm doing my Instagram lives, I get to do them with all these top providers throughout the world and it's my chance to actually get to meet with them personally. 
So that's a big, big one for me. I find like if I can have a personal relationship with anyone who I'm uh, meeting, you know, over online or anything, it, it just, it seals that bond a little bit closer. And at the same time, you know, if I can help them out in any way, they're, they're going to be more receptive to maybe asking me for help later on. And I'm definitely going to be open to that. So that's one, um, one takeaway that, that I, I'm definitely encouraging other providers to go if they feel that they know enough already about injections. The second thing is, um, basically it's very cool that, you know, whenever I'm there and I'm meeting these top people in their game, they're like mini celebrities to me because I'm so involved in this industry that I know a lot about them. And now I've become almost like this little mini celebrity in this little niche um, whenever I'm going there. So basically people get to see me and they feel that way, which is very cool. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not bragging or anything like that, but this is something that, you know, you put a lot of work into this, uh, into this business. And it's one of those little things that it's, it's nice to get a little recognition at the same time. It feels good. It feels good to have people come up and be like, Oh my God, Dan, I love you, man. Like I know everything you've helped me out so much. It's been a year and you've kind of been my inspiration. They also follow me on Instagram and they know exactly what's going on with my, my whole world. And I don't, I've never met, met these people and it's great. It's a great way for me to connect with them because I know exactly how they, how they feel. I feel the same way whenever I'm meeting my peers, right? So, uh, I get to spend a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time, give back to them, thank them for, for, uh, following me and just like talk shop a little bit, which is great. And in the end, it's just like your business, right? You, you do want to make sure that the word gets around that you're, you're going above and beyond, you know, you're not just the jerk in the end who's after money like if i can connect with people and and uh, give them a little bit more then the word gets around man this guy's actually a really nice guy and he's not just playing playing the show so yeah. um that's a big component um the last thing for me is um with regards to connecting on that is marketing right so whenever i'm doing that i'm still marketing right i want people in this industry might know who i am but the local the local people around my town, they don't really know who that people know me in this industry. So every time someone comes up and says, hi, can I take a picture? Yeah, absolutely. Post it on social media. I'll share it. And therefore people get to see, wow, this, this guy's known in the industry and he's kind of, you know, he must be doing something right. And therefore it makes my credibility skyrocket. And as a result, more people are going to be inclined to come in and visit me. So it's definitely yeah. the there's a big, like you can gain a lot of, of business and traction from going to these things. You just have to be strategic about it. Well, it kind of um, coincides with what we spoke about this morning, Dan, when you asked me the question around if you're a new injector trying to find a job in this space, how do you do it? And I think my response was network, you know, go and go to, go to conferences, meet people, join groups. And this is like the next progressive step in that, which is you're already in the industry, you're already doing well and you're successful, but now you're continuing on that same that same thought trajectory which is to continue to network and connect because you can never have too many friends <laughs> no you're absolutely right and that's you know i see it as um people always ask me like why you stay in such good shape like you're married like you have kids like why you go to the gym every day like people know that it's good for you to work out but for me it's 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 not just about that i can't tell them why i just know that it's always helped me in life and there's always going to be something down the road that me working out and staying fit is going to benefit me somehow. And like this business, like I started this, getting into this business at 37, 
And luckily I looked apart. I had no idea that was going to happen. It's just, it was a good thing to do. And I find that's the same thing with marketing and connecting. Like if you can connect with as many people as possible, I have no idea. I just know it's a good idea to do these things. And in the future, it'll, this is going to come into fruition. I don't know how, but I just have faith that it'll do that. So the more connections I can make, the better. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, Dan, when, when we had you on the podcast, you know, we spoke specifically about your social media strategy and, you know, being on different channels and events like this are absolute goldmine because like you said, people can tag each other, selfies of everyone, there's stories and suddenly you develop this momentum where suddenly you might not have been known in that country and suddenly there's a bit of a buzz around you. So, you know, it's important that people kind of take these opportunities. It's free marketing at the end of the day. If you're like, if you're trying to brand yourself, the more connections you can have, the more you have to, you have to be brave in order to, to do these things. Like, it's not as if I really want to go out and post everything I'm doing that day, but it's, it's business. Whenever I'm there, I have an agenda and I go in and I want to make connections and I want to make sure that people see that I'm doing these connections because it adds to your credibility. It's going to help. Like for me, it helps my Patreon tremendously. Every time I go out and I post these things, people are like, oh my gosh, like this guy, a lot of people follow this guy. A lot of people love this guy. He must be doing something right. So my Patreon goes up maybe by 20 to 50 people every time I go to these conferences. So that's awesome. Yeah, and now keeping this, I guess, back to Imcast, do you remember how much it cost for a ticket? Because you're a nurse practitioner and I know there's like different tiers for doctors or students. Some, <laughs> I think it's about, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Michelle takes care of all that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've had this prepped. I, I didn't write it down. I'm like, I'm forgetting something for this. No, it's all good. We'll, we'll find out and we'll, we'll put it in at the end of the podcast. But I, yeah. I guess my question is, do you find it value? Because, you know, it's not cheap. It oh. might cost a thousand okay. Australian dollars or something like that. Ah, it's plus your flights yeah. and accommodation. That's just for the ticket. And at the same time, you have to fly there. You have to make sure, you, you know, your, your, your accommodations are going to take care of all that. And it depends on how... How rich do you want to go? You're in Paris. You can spend a ton of money on there. So in the end, and, I, and we had this conversation, Dave, today was, yeah. you know, care about the money that I'm losing or spending right now. I know that this is going to come into fruition six months, 12 months down the road, but I have to make sure that I stay the course and trust the process. If I don't trust the process, then, then I'm going to be worried about the money that I'm spending right now. I trust the process. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to connect. There's another one, AMWC there, that's um, that's happening in Monaco. I'm going to that. I don't Dang. need to go, but I'm going because of the benefits of what it's going to bring. So I think it's definitely beneficial for people to to go and connect. And whatever the cost is, it's going to come back to you tenfold. Anytime that I can advertise, market myself, saying that I'm at one of the largest international medical aesthetics conferences in the world, it's basically almost showing the world that you have another degree on your belt because you're taking all these crazy courses in a weekend and people are like, wow, this guy really is up on his game because he knows what's going on. Yeah. And you took your family, which is two kids and wife. That's yeah. not cheap, especially from Canada. So, you know, what? how do I put this? What? How did the logistics work? Because obviously they're quite long days, early starts, late finishes, networking, symposiums, maybe even dinners. So did you even see your family? Um, of course. Yeah. Sure. I have, uh, so the first, so it's three day conference and whenever I'm there, we get there a day early. So I have a little bit of time to make sure I spend some time with them during the town, go yeah. through the jet. Whatever. And then, uh, the next three days, it's basically mm -hmm. all this and I'm in the conference throughout the day. 
And throughout one of those one or two days, I'll go for a supper evening as well, which will connect with either um, a, a company or a gala or something like that. Like it's definitely part of this is part of the business and it's important to connect, make those connections. So they know that during those three days in the evening, at least one of them is going to be making connections and uh, going out at an event that they are not included. But the other two are with them in the evening. I'm having supper with them, traveling the town, and then we stay additional two or three days and we yeah. visit theirs. So we make it, you know, we, we make it a, a definitely a full event where it's beneficial for everyone. The, the last time I went, I think I stayed for only four days out of the three because I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. Uh, one evening was uh, a, a supper event and then the others were just basically spending with my family and they loved it and I loved it. Got some shopping in and they got to explore Paris while I was at the Congress. So that's it, Jake. Uh, I'm going to tell Hash now that everyone no, takes their family and they're their not kids. coming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, because, you know, I'm, I'm really going to try and get the most out of this. I'm flying to London first, going to try and network with friends, obviously, in London. Then I'm doing a, a, the pre course of uh, AMWC in Monaco the day before the event. I'm also flying mm-hmm. to see Felix Bertram the day before that in Switzerland. So, you know, there's a lot I'm going to try and pack in and, I don't know. I don't know what your kids are like down there a bit older than mine, but it would just be complete hell trying to look after them whilst also being jet lagged and trying to do all that uh, stuff. It's impossible. I would just like yeah. to see the Instagram stories from all the pain that you'd be in from trying <laughs> to do it. But that's because I'm sick and I'm, I like, I like that. So yeah. <laughs> she, she felt it out like by day three there. She's like, okay, I can't wait until you conquers conquers because like, uh, I need some help. Alone from the- <laughs> I was like, yeah, no worries. Well, the big, the big payoff for Hash and my kids is that um, after I leave Monaco, we're going on a nice holiday in Dubai. So there is light at the end of the nice. tunnel for them. Don't worry, I'm not forgetting that. Nice. <laughs> no. now, so, Dan, were there any... Oh, sorry, go on, Dan. No, no go on, David. I was just going to say, um, obviously, the networking was your number one priority, but were there any particular lectures or talks that you that really resonated with you or things that you learned or that you'd sort of recommend <laughs> to people trying to attend in the future? The other thing that I take is if I take something from that, which could be minor, but at the same time, I use that as marketing and I'm going to use that as content. And it's a great way for me to kind of convince clients to try a service that I maybe had a hard time convincing before, like biostimulators, sculpture, hyperdilute yeah. radia. That's one that's tricky for us to sell because people like instant results where this is something that's happening you know, over time and there's a subtle... They have to really buy into it. The product's a little bit more on the pricey side. But what I did take from it, and I ran with it ever since I've been marketing like crazy, was Sculptra. And they had like this 10-year study of people who were doing Sculptra and they didn't, they weren't getting jowls. And there was like, how is it is it possible that sculpture is preventing jowls? And they're like, well, in theory, it could because this the collagen that's being produced in the superficial cheek pad is adhering to the muscle. So therefore, it's tacking it up and it prevents the drop. I'm like, okay, that's how I'm going to use it. And that's basically what I've been saying to all my clients ever since. I'm saying, hey, by the way, if you want to prevent jowling, you have to see the long term. And if you can paint a picture for them, which they understand completely, um, then that's going to work for you. And it's been working great for me. So Sculptra has been definitely a big one for me uh, as a takeaway. The other one is now we have Silpermex, which is microneedling radio frequency system, which helps with uh, also melasma and rosacea. 
And the melasma aspect is interesting because you need quite a few treatments. Like the, the, the package is already pricey enough where it's like almost three grand for a round of three treatments. But to really get the, the melasma aspect out of you, you're probably going to need like five or six. And that's tough to pitch. But there was a lot of discussion on uh, tranosamic acid and mm, yep. and I did a and I really liked that conference because I was able to tie it in and now I can use that to have a realistic expectation with clients and add on to the service and you know it it is just going to have a better result uh, for them and that's basically what they're wanting and I'm I am hesitant of really pitching this device specifically for melasma because it's it's kind of like an an adjunct to treatment, but I can't, and you can't really use it to say it's only going to treat melasma because not everyone's going to respond to it. But if I can tie those two in, um, then it's going to help. So that was the second one. Um, and then the other one is I always go for some type of cadaver lab. I always feel like whenever I'm going into these things, I, I have some type of agenda and I'm doing a lot of tear troughs right now. And, and, and sometimes, you know, whenever I'm going, I'm like, I'm always wondering, what the heck is going on? Where is this canyon? Like, am I actually, is there a there? Like, the mud? like, sometimes you get a lot of resistance. Sometimes there's like no resistance. And you're like, but there's nothing but muscle there, skin and muscle. There should be no fat. So how is it differing? And I did get uh, a great anatomy lesson where Codafana kind of peeled it back and the cutaneous, uh, the obicularis retaining ligament kind of like dropped down. And you have to go underneath that in order to really get underneath that ligament um, so for me, that was a good eye opener and it just gave me a, a better understanding of where my cannula lies and why I'm getting more resistance, uh, in certain places. And it's just, it, it's just helping me out. Yeah. Those are the big threes. Yeah. I think, uh, awesome. in my experience, when I've been to these congresses, it's exactly that you might go away with just like a couple of little nuggets that tweak what you're already doing with a technique and refine yeah. it and make it safer or better. But I think for, I mean, I'll get your opinion. Do you think a new injector who's been doing it less than a year, do you think it could potentially be too overwhelming or do you think they can dip in and, you know, learn a couple of little things that they can bring back to their practice? Oh man, I was, when I went, I was all in and I remember going um, for the first time and it was, I was like, kid in a candy shop because i knew that this is where my future is going to be and i just want to soak everything up so i had like this whole agenda written out of what i wanted to see i wanted to see jaws i want to see tear troughs i want to see noses because <laughs> i want to and i was just you know I, I i went to two or three different lectures on each subject because everyone has their own take on it and then i could pick out saying you know man this guy actually sucks at doing that <laughs> <laughs> actually it, it helps you because you see that these are just people, right? They're, yeah. they're plastic surgeons, but they're still people and they're not robots and it's a live stage. And if they're, they're, they're supposed to be the best up there and they're giving mediocre results and it actually encourages newbies to go and be like, I could totally do this. So I took a lot from it. It was very inspiring. And I think every new injector should go there with an, with a, an agenda. Yeah. So, yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. You, you take away stuff that you wouldn't do as well as stuff that you would do. Um, you know, I think knowledge, knowledge is knowledge is no burden to carry. So, yeah. Thank you, Confucius. That's um, okay. No worries. <laughs> now, final final uh, question for Dan. We'll let him go to bed because it's very late in Ottawa. Um, what are your top three tips for things that you should or shouldn't do at Imcas Paris? And it could be <laughs> best, best restaurant, best coffee, best lecture, um, best symposium with a pharma company, anything. Um, 
So top three things we most mostly mentioned them, but you, you need to connect. You need like you have to go and connect with people that you're afraid to connect with. They're there. They maybe your peers that you may be kind of intimidated to see them, but they love it. They love that you come and give them recognition. They're super happy. They're always very receptive. And if you can pick their brain for two seconds, they're going to help you out. Trust me. So go in with an agenda and pick brains and also post about it. Right. Yeah. So whatever you market yourself, market yourself that you're chatting with like this top guy in the industry and it's going to help. So that's, that's one. Um, the other one is just, you know, you got to explore the town. That was the one fault that I had was the first time I went, I didn't really explore the town. And I, I went, I also have been to Paris before for other medical conferences and I never, I never explored the town and doing so really just opened up everything and made me feel like, okay, I had the whole package. So I think it makes some time to appreciate the town. And even if it's the touristy stuff, do it like Versailles and the Louvre were amazing. Highly recommend it. And it was a bucket list. So, um, you know, if it's just seeing the Eiffel tower, go see the Eiffel tower if that you've always wanted to climb it, go climb it. Um, <laughs> So whatever your thing is, but definitely do these touristy things. Um, they're important. Um, the last one where I where say you, what you should. Where did you stay? Yeah. Uh, we stayed, actually, we stayed um, down in this corner where I think it's the 8th le, le, le arrondissement, the 8th district or whatever. And it was right by the Eiffel Tower, but it was a cool corner. The corner was, if you looked down the street, you saw the Eiffel Tower. And if you looked at the other corner, you saw the Arc de Triomphe. Oh, wow. So, cool. yeah, so you could, we were right in that district and it was very cool. Um, oh, the last thing is, if you get to go to, um, if there is a filler company that's inviting you to a supper or a gala or event, go to it. Like, they usually go all out and you're going to go to a restaurant. <laughs> heard of or seen before and you're like what like some very very impressive places um that i never knew existed and they're going to open up your eyes to a whole new world so those are the three things i recommend such a good point yes there's lots of free alcohol and good nibbles <laughs> those sorts of things. <laughs> um i was going to say uh sorry, whenever, you... go... oh, sorry. whenever i'm going to the restaurant Usually we're going to pick something that's quaint, you know, something that's nice for the kids, uh, like like a bistro or something like that. And um, and then maybe you'll go out, like for a supper with your wife, but you don't really know the place. You don't know where to go. Like whenever you're going to these companies, these filler companies know the place. They know the top place, and they're going to pick some pretty spectacular events, and it's worth going. Yeah, yeah it was funny. Uh, uh, we, we were talking off air with uh, Michelle, your wife, and she was saying that she hates Airbnb. And you said you don't mind. So were you in a hotel or an Airbnb when you went? We were in a hotel, for sure. Michelle never stayed in Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, buddy. If well, I was we'll... alone, I'd totally do an Airbnb. But with Michelle, absolutely. She's definitely <laughs> like people. Happy life, get... happy life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this little cameo of the podcast. But we'll let you go yes. to bed. And uh, we'll catch up soon, mate. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. So thank you guys for joining us. I saw it was a slightly clunky one with so many of us talking. Yeah. Um, but so nice to see you properly, uh, IA patrons from all over the place. Um, will any of you, can we tempt any of you to Australia? Like, seriously, do you think it would be possible? Because, you know, that's the ordeal we have from Australia going to Europe for these events. It's a huge endeavor. And really, you have to build it into a holiday. So... 
Yeah. And have you been, Stephen, have you been to Australia? <laughs> no, my sister lives in Australia uh, and has done for quite a while and I've still never quite made it due oh. to various kind of commitments no, and other bits and bobs. So it would be quite nice to kind of build it into kind of a two or three week holiday of coming to Australia, catch up with my sister, go to see a conference uh, oh. and then, you know, come and meet you guys and, and kind of turn it into a bit of a, a an adventure. Yeah, A23. Well, maybe yeah. I'm going to just throw this out there because David and I have not even joked about this, but it, it just seems too ambitious. An inside aesthetics, I'm not going to say conference, mm, something, gathering, meeting, yeah. something. 2024. We'll, we'll, we'll send the IA jet I over to do a round trip and pick everyone up. I don't think that's too ambitious. That would be fun. What that looks like, who knows, but yeah. yeah. We can sure. talk about it. Well, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to see you soon because you're, you know, you're not that close to us, but uh, it'd be nice to catch up with you soon. And Closer you. than the rest of it. <laughs> exactly. I'm just two hours away, Jake. Two hours away. Drive, Very. not flying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we'll put all of your details at the bottom of the pod- podcast description and uh, we'll chat on the I, uh, WhatsApp groups. Thanks, guys. See you later, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. For our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information. 